Hey everybody, it's Amanda Jessup with the Chronically Fit and Functional Podcast. Welcome. If this is your first time listening, your mind is going to be blown today. Today we are talking about three reasons you're you're having pain with exercise, but Really, I could say that this is just three reasons why you're having pain, regardless of whether you exercise or not. Okay. If you're somebody who, you know, deals with chronic pain, you've tried all sorts of programs, you've went to different doctors, can't find relief, then this podcast is for you because we are taking a look Um, on the inside and what systems inside the body actually contribute to pain. Now, I want to preface this episode by telling you that this is information that I actually came upon while researching different ways to heal my body with chronic Lyme disease, okay? And I happened to stumble upon a guy named Dr. Perry Nicholson um, with Stop Chasing Pain. And he is a person that has a wealth of information on what is causing pain at the root core. All right, so number one reason that you're having pain is a stagnant lymphatic system. Yes, that's right. This is a topic that no doctors are talking about, which I don't understand. Um, except Dr. Perry Nicholson. (laughs) But let's go over first, like what is the role of the lymphatic system in the body, right? Because it's not talked about a lot. So your lymphatic system is um, working on removing cellular waste and toxins from your body, okay? And when these lymph vessels and nodes get stagnant, it can cause a whole slew of issues. So how do we know if our lymphatic system is stagnant or congested? Well, number one, let's do a little test together. So I want you to take two fingers and right above your collarbone, there's a little groove and I want you to just rub your two fingers in there. Okay. I want you to tell me if the skin is like bumpy or if it's tender and do it on the left and right side. Then I want you to start massaging right below the collarbone. Okay. See if there's any tender areas. And then the other spot I want you to feel is right underneath the sternum, right underneath where the ribs end. I want you to rub there. These are lymph node areas that tend to be tender. And if they're tender, if the skin is bulgy, that is a clear sign that you have stagnant lymph flow. But here's some other signs to consider. So if you have a lot of soreness and stiffness, right? Um, You may have sluggish or congested lymph fluid. If you have headaches, headaches, so inadequate lymphatic and sinus drainage creates inflammation and pressure, which causes the headaches. Um, Bloated and digestive issues, um, because the abdominal area is rich with lymphatic vessels, so that's a key area. Um, Another sign is fatigue and stress. 
Um, especially if you've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue, which to me is not a diagnosis. It's a symptom of an underlying cause, right? And it could be your lymphatic system. Another sign is if you have skin problems, so dry or itchy skin, loss of elasticity, maybe you have acne, rashes, and other conditions. Um, swelling, that's kind of the main thing that people recognize when they talk about the lymphatic system is that lymphedema um, or the swelling. Um, allergies is also another sign if your allergies are bad. Um, repeated sinus infections and worsen allergies can increase occurrence of head colds, uh, which are a sign that your lymphatic fluid is not effectively moving. Um, and then brain fog. So toxins build up um, and the cerebrospinal fluid and they cause us just to be exhausted and our brain doesn't function at optimum capacity. Okay, so now let's get into this. So how exactly does the lymphatic system cause or contribute to pain in the body? So there's three areas. Number one, you have lymph nodes all around your body and all around your joints, every joint, okay? When those lymph nodes become blocked, the tissue surrounding that area become very hard and fibrous, right? So, you know, you have, a, you have lymph nodes kind of where the pec muscle and the shoulder meet, meet, okay? If that lymph node is blocked, all the tissues around that area are gonna get hard. So then what, is, what happens to the joint? Well. The shoulder joint is, starts to not move properly because there is fibrous and hard tissue. Next thing you know, when, we're, when we have inadequate range of motion of a joint, you have pain. And I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients who have some sort of joint pain. Once they start doing um, like self-lymphatic massages, um, the pain goes away. So it wasn't a joint problem, it was a lymphatic system problem. And that's what we need to realize too. If we have pain somewhere, that's not always the root problem. It could be stemming from somewhere else in your body. Okay, so the next way that the lymphatic system can contribute to pain has to do with blood flow, okay? Really, the fluid dynamics in your body are just so important here. So veins always work with lymphatic flow, okay? Lymph dumps into the veins in the collarbone area, which is that main um, lymph node area, okay? So that if that place where I had you massage, right above your collarbone, if those lymph nodes there are clogged because we have about 70% of our lymph nodes in and around our neck, then you're not getting adequate blood flow to your brain, okay? Because these veins and the lymph work hand in hand, all right? And we know that the brain is the big kind of area where we process pain. It's the origin, okay? So and if we have a tension in our neck and upper back, that stiffness is choking off blood to the brain too. So we need to have clear enough veins and lymph vessels to be able to have this blood flow. 
And the last way that the lymphatic system can contribute to pain is by a decrease in oxygen. So putting it simply, when you have a backed up lymph system, that is going to equal less oxygen in your body to all the tissues, which then that reduction in oxygen results in pain, um, plain and simple. Okay, so now let's get to the helpful part, right? So what do you do? How do you optimize your lymphatic system? What makes the lymphatic system flow? Well, the first thing is the way we breathe, okay? So you doing a meditation working on diaphragmatic breathing, which I do every morning for 20 minutes, deep breathing is gonna help the lymph flow. Second thing, movement, right? So you're pro you probably do exercise if you're listening to this. If not, even just walking, right, guys? Like exercise doesn't always have to be intense. Um, but the most important one of them all is starting to give yourself lymphatic massages. This is something that when I added to my regimen for my Lyme disease, I mean, my brain fog went away. I had way more energy. Um, I wasn't getting as much muscle soreness after workouts. So this is like super key. Okay. And if you go to the link in my bio on my social media pages, um, on Instagram, I'm at Amanda underscore functionally fit. I actually have a YouTube video on that link in my bio that shows you how to do a self lymphatic massage. And what's going to happen is at first, you're going to have a lot of tender areas, okay? And again, that means that it is congested. But after a while, all that will go away. Once a day, I challenge you to do it for like two weeks to see how you feel. Now, it could be a case where you start to feel a little worse before you get better because what you're doing, you're emptying these toxins and cellular waste into your veins so that they circulate out of your system so that that brief increase of the toxins in the circulatory system kind of shocks the body, right? So you may feel a little fatigued, nauseous when you first start doing the massages, but it'll go away um, after a while, after a little bit. And I know you already know this, <laughs> but drink your water because blood and lymph are made up of 70% of water. So definitely drink up. And finally, the last thing you can do to help your lymphatic system flow is by doing recovery work if you do work out, okay? Because what happens is when you're doing all these intense workouts, you know, you'll get muscle soreness and tightness after the workouts, which that muscle tightness restricts blood flow, which again, when we restrict blood flow, we're lowering oxygen. And then what did we say? Any type of decrease of oxygen in the body is going to result in pain. And this is why with my online clients, um, you know, I use a whole body system uh, fitness method, okay? Whole body system fitness method. It's my signature method to train people. So not only are we training the musculoskeletal system, but we are doing work to optimize the lymphatic system and the nervous system. And actually in my warmups with my client, which I termed the fantastic four, and no, we're not talking about the superheroes, um, fluid dynamics is the first step. 
Breathing is the second step. And then we're working on the nervous system. So if you're interested in any of my programs, um, the main link should be listed here in the podcast description. All right, now we're going to get into the number two reason why you're having pain with exercise, okay? One, two words, (laughs) vagus nerve. No, I'm not talking about a nerve that's in Vegas. I'm talking about the biggest cranial nerve and most important nerve you have called the vagus nerve, okay? This nerve starts in your head, goes down and intersects every major organ in your body. So your heart, your lungs, your gut, okay? And it's got two functions. Number one, it makes up the main part of your rest and digest nervous system, or also what we call the parasympathetic nervous system. Number two, it is a big control of inflammation in your body. It controls a lot of the inflammation in your body. Okay, and so besides controlling inflammation and being the rest and digest nervous system, Um, The vagus nerve also (coughs) helps regulate blood pressure, heart rate, digestion, and mood, okay? But sometimes this vagus nerve can come what we call dysfunctional, okay? And so what causes a dysfunctional vagus nerve? So there's a lot of things. It can be due to long-term stress, hormonal imbalance, inflammation, emotional stress, unresolved trauma, PTSD. And so people will start having crazy symptoms like heart palpitations or like severe GI issues, including like bloating and acid reflux and, you know, feeling on edge at all times and mood swings. And so those are the main causes of how a vagus nerve becomes dysfunctional. Now, interestingly enough, you can also damage the vagus nerve from a physical damage standpoint. So I'm going to give you an example of myself. Um, When I got my deviated septum fixed about six years ago, I, I remember going home and at night I was trying to fall asleep. And every time I started to fall asleep, my my neck would do these like uh, jerks. And it was almost like something was like seizing up. And the more it started happening, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I wonder if the breathing tube they put in me like hit a nerve, right? And so back then I didn't, this was before my Lyme diagnosis. So I didn't even know about the vagus nerve. Okay. I just meant any nerve in general, but looking back, um, that is definitely Um, the reason how my vagus nerve become dysfunctional. And I also want to add that even having like, you know, a virus, bacteria, or parasites, that can also, all that causes inflammation and can cause a dysfunctional vagus nerve. Okay, so let's get into the good stuff. How do we heal or fix our vagus nerve? This was really interesting part for me to um, learn um, because again, this was another area that I was told to research to help with my Lyme disease. So 
you do what's called vagus nerve toning or vagus nerve stimulating exercises. And there's a wide variety of them out there. You can go onto YouTube and Google vagus nerve exercises. But some of the main simple ones include number one, the gag reflex. So like using your finger or a toothbrush to bring on that gag reflex, that really tones it. Um, personally, I use this one when I'm feeling really panicky. And as soon as I do it, I mean, it's like everything slows down. It's crazy how it is. Um, humming, like in a very deep tone. So like, um, doing it for like about a minute to two minutes is going to help tone it. Um, that kind of makes sense now why we, why the yogis use that type of, um, um, humming in their, um, yoga laughing. Okay. I do what's called laughter yoga. I don't know why they call it laughter yoga. Cause you're not really doing yoga. So what, what it is, is like a laughter yoga instructor instructor takes you through like a 10 minute thing where you're just laughing. Okay. About different things. And it's interesting because, um, when you, even if you fake laugh, your brain doesn't know the difference. So by laughing, it's kind of like telling your body, oh, everything's okay. I'm not stressed out. Like almost like it tricks it, right? So yeah, you can go onto YouTube and look up laughter yoga. There's a lot of instructors. I do that every morning. Um, and then there's different types of like body touch that helps. So um, doing body tapping, like using one hand to uh, tap lightly up and down your arms, all different sides of it. You can tap your stomach and then all your legs. Um, when your body is in chronic stress, it doesn't really know how to locate itself in space. So by tapping it, it's like, oh, okay, here I am. I'm okay. You can do um, body squeezes. So instead of tapping, you're squeezing your body. Um, and then there's a lot of exercises that have to do with eye movement, which obviously I can't show you on here. Um, but I highly suggest you sign up for my newsletter because I'm going to send one out pretty soon um, that has a lot of those eye movement vagus nerve exercises. Um, again, you can go to the link in the main description of this podcast to sign up for that. Okay, and the last point I wanted to add about the vagus nerve is, um, so it controls inflammation, we stated that, but when your body is in a constant state of fight or flight, um, your body kind of ignores the repair and growth functions it would normally be performing, right? So if you get some kind of musculoskeletal injury to a joint or whatnot, um, and you're in a chronic state of fight or flight and stressed out all the time, your injury is going to take a while to heal because those repairing growth functions um, aren't working properly. And this is why I can say that being in a chronic state or fight or flight um, is a risk factor for an exercise-related injury. Okay, third reason why you're having pain while exercising, it has to do with breathing. 
Okay, and this is where you're going to start to see everything tying together, these three things working together, right? So when we breathe, obviously, it's bringing oxygen into our bodies so our muscles can work. But the diaphragm, which is one of your ma uh, main breathing muscles, has another function, okay? The diaphragm is also a lymphatic pump for the lymphatic system. So, you know, we always say like, you know, we want you to breathe through your belly, right? And not your chest. So if you're breathing through your chest, you're not using that diaphragm, meaning that diaphragm is not helping to pump the lymph through your system, meaning your lymphatic system is now becoming congested, right? So see how this is all tying together and so this is why Dr. Um, Perry Nicholson, the person that I have kind of trained under, says that, you know, there's not one system in the body that works alone. There's not one system in the body that gets injured alone. And there's not one system in the body that heals alone. Okay. All of them work together in those three situations. Okay, and let's get into another topic with breathing here. Okay, I want to talk about mouth breathing. This is a pandemic that nobody knows about, okay? So obviously mouth breathing is when you're relying on taking in air through your mouth and not through your nose. And, uh, and there's so many people out there that don't even know they do that, right? Just because they've done it most of their life. And generally speaking, um, you know, things that would cause somebody to breathe through their mouth include enlarged tonsils, a deviated septum, enlarged, uh, enlarged adenoids, which are in the top back, uh, top area in the back of your mouth, or just even a chronic, chronic stuffy nose, right? By allergies or colds. And some of the kind of symptoms people will have if they mouth breathe is maybe your, your mouth is dry all the time. If you have really bad breath, if you have daytime sleepiness, or you wake up and you have drool on your pillow. Okay, so let's talk about why mouth breathing is bad, okay? So when you breathe through your nose, you know, tiny hairs that we have called cilia filter out debris and allergens and pollution. And when you breathe in through your mouth, you don't have that protection. Another reason it's bad is because your lungs and throat function better with moist air. So your no nose has bony structures called turbinates that handle that task. Um, air that you take in through your mouth is going to be a lot drier. Likewise, your throat and lungs, it really thrives on warm air. So when you breathe in through your nose, the air you take in gradually warms up until it's closer to body temperature, making it easier for your tissues to absorb, okay? And what's the whole function of breathing, right? Is to get oxygen into the body. And what did we talk about with the lymphatic system um, that caused a low amount of oxygen. So blocked lymph nodes equals less oxygen. 
If we are breathing through our mouths, that means less, less oxygen into the body and less oxygen into the body equals pain. Okay, and so we stated that when we mouth breathe, we're not getting as adequate amount of oxygen as we would get with nose breathing. But I want you to listen to this, okay? And there's been studies that have proved this, that uncorrected mouth breathing over time can result in abnormal dental and maxillofacial development of somebody okay mouth breathers may present kind of different growth patterns where their face is really skinny um, their chin is elongated furthermore um, it can negatively affect your oral health um, increasing the risk of periodontal diseases Okay, and the last thing I wanted to touch on with breathing is tongue placement, okay? This is where it gets really interesting. So, there have been research that shows that the active and repetitive movements of the tongue improve information that reaches the autonomic nervous system, which lowers stress hormones. Right, so now we're talking about what? If we exercise our tongue, that is going to put us more in the rest and digest state, which is then gonna decrease pain. Oh yes, I just said that. So what are we doing? Tongue aerobics, right? Um, I'm gonna be, give you a couple exercises to do. Number one, Extending your tongue out of your mouth as far as you can and trying just to move the tip of your tongue to go up and then down. So you're alternating, moving it down and then up. Another one I like to do is I take my tongue to one side of my cheek and I press out against my fingers as my fingers are pressing back like an isometric hold for 10 seconds. Okay, you would do it on the other side too. And when it comes to tongue placement, the place where you are gonna get the most adequate airflow is by having it rest at the top of your mouth, not necessarily where the tip of the tongue is up against your teeth, but back a little bit more. That is the optimum tongue placement for a breathing. So I'm gonna read you um, this quote um, that sums up a research study they did. It says, the position of the tongue within the oral cavity determines the expression of muscle performance of the limbs. When the tongue is held against the upper part of the mouth during muscle activity, strength increases by approximately 30% in healthy individuals. Okay, so now let's talk about how do we fix mouth breathing so that we can breathe adequately and get an adequate amount of oxygen in our body so that we do not have pain. So the first step, and I have my clients do this too, the easiest thing to, to do at first is to tape your mouth shut at night when you sleep, okay? Mouth is what we call mouth taping. Now, 
when I was told to do this in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. I kind of freaked out. I was like, am I going to like choke in the middle of the night? Am I going to like stop breathing? Um, so what I did first is I just took like a tiny, tiny piece of tape. Okay. And you want to get not the like, you know, tape you use on paper, but the thicker stuff. I just like put it at the corner of my mouth. I didn't put it directly in the middle just so my nervous system could get used to it, right? So after a week or so, I kept moving the tape a little bit closer towards the middle of the lips, right? Until I was finally in the middle and I was fine. There's nights where sometimes I wake up and the tape's off. I mean, if, if for some reason you stop breathing, your body, you're gonna wake up. And so just trust me, it's it seems scary in the beginning, but it's good. But let me tell you, before I did mouth taping, this was about three years ago, I was struggling. I'd wake up and I just would feel like I didn't, like I felt like I slept, but I physically didn't feel like I had, I had slept, right? I was just so fatigued. After I started mouth taping, that completely and totally changed. I would wake up and feel that I actually had adequate amount of sleep that I got into that like deep REM state of sleep. I'm reading this book called The Oxygen Advantage and this guy actually trained you how to breathe better, how to not mouth breathe. Um, and so his first suggestion is the mouth taping at night. Beyond that, there's very interesting breathing exercises like some of it is breath holding um, cause that increases the carbon dioxide that helps release the oxygen from the hemoglobin, but you can check it out. It's called the oxygen advantage. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. I hope that you learned a lot and I always appreciate reviews and any feedback. If there are any topics that you want me to cover related to health or fitness, um, feel free to put it in the review or message me on that link that is listed in the podcast description.